I would encourage them to be open to learn about what studies are out there and how it's helping the general population, not only themselves, but other people. Welcome to our podcast series, My Life as a Research Assistant. This series is brought to you by Kessler Foundation, where we are changing the lives of people with disabilities. I'm your host, editor, and producer, Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation. Throughout this series, we'll meet up with research assistants from our mobility, spinal cord injury, stroke, traumatic brain injury, and neuroscience and neuropsychology centers who have been with the foundation for over a year and some that are now senior research assistants, nurses, MD, MS candidates, postdocs, and those that have entered into many more professions. In this episode, I met up with Tiara Brown, a former research assistant in our Center for Spinal Cord Injury Research and is now a doctoral student at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Let's listen in. Could you tell us on an average day what you do here at the Kessler Foundation? As a research assistant for the uh, spinal cord injury model systems, I help with the overall project. So that includes not only enrollment, but also, so from the medical records, we do um, data abstractions, as well as following up with participants who have been enrolled in this longitudinal study. And so right now we're following up with um, participants ranging from their first year follow-up to 20 years and plus. So um, being in the in the role of having the opportunity to complete questionnaires and also going on inpatient and recruiting patients um, while they're getting rehabilitation to enroll in this particular study. Um, so it it ranges in the in the roles. So on a typical day, um, depending on what takes precedent and what needs to be accomplished, um, I may be on a inpatient floor uh, speaking with families, um, the doctors, as well as patients and their families to explain what the research study is, how it um, not only helps the hospital, but um, patients in, while they're getting rehab and in the, the future while they're in the communities. Um, another day may look like uh, looking at medical records and reviewing what variables will need, um, the scientists will need to review and to work to disseminate information. Um, also doing follow-up calls with participants to see how their life is going after having treatment at the hospital. So we'll ask some questions about their satisfaction with life, different psychological factors, as well as um, their health, health questions, and their integration back into society and their family. So not only for in enrolling participants, but also following up with them. And also if they need any any outside services, matching them with the right um, resources as well. Participants that are in most of your studies, mm -hmm. do you find that they are generally a certain age and or the different types of traumatic brain injury they may have acquired? Particularly with the spinal cord injury populations, about 80% are males. And um, so average age increased in, in over from 29 years during the 1970s to 42 years old um, currently. So generally the, um, 
the age range is uh, uh, about 49 around that age frame, but there's patients that range in age, but that's just the average. So I see primarily um, males, middle-aged, um, but they're also females. There'll be female patients who've sustained a um, traumatic spinal cord injury and um, not so many children, at least that come here for care that enroll or qualify for this study. So the folks that have come in for spinal cord injury, for instance, could you just tell us uh, some of the types of injuries? Oh, yes, that's a great question. So primarily the number one um, cause for spinal cord injury, it can range from, um, it starts with a, a car accident, so vehicle injuries, and then falls, um, violence-related injuries, so uh, whether someone was um, shot in a, in a violent act, um, and then sports-related injuries. So that's generally the um, the numeric order. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they, they range from other incidents as well, but those are the top four. Right. What made you decide to, um, to come to Kessler and to do this type of research? Um, thank you for that question. I, you know, I've had to think and reflect about that question often as I was applying to doctorate programs. You know, they want to know why are you interested in research um, or the, the, the type of education you're studying and, you know, are you really, do you really passionate about it? How do, you, do you really have a passion for it? So when I was studying at LaSalle University for my um, Bachelor of Arts degree, I minored in women's studies, and I um, I had to conduct a I conducted an independent research study, and I worked with closely with the professor, and I was able to look at different variables affecting family relationships, and I went out and I recruited over about 200 students to help participate in the study, and we went through the data analysis, the literature reviews, and and then I presented it and did poster presentations. And that was my first time really having a taste. I was in, I had classes, statistics classes and research methods, but actually having um, a chance to be in the trenches and know what that's like and then um, do a presentation and, and see how it can actually help inform the public and hopefully um, have an influence on relationships. I was intrigued and I wanted to know more about it, not only education, but experience wise. So um, I was applying to different jobs and this was an opportunity that presented itself that I decided to um, not only pursue, but to accept because I felt as though it was more in line with what I wanted to do long term, which was get my doctorate in um, psychology. I wanted to not only have that clinical practitioner piece, but also understand the uh, research piece as well. So um, so I learned more about Kessler Foundation and the wonderful work that they do. And being exposed and having a, a minor in women's studies, I learned about a lot of the um, a lot of the issues that women have faced over the years, but it also exposed you to other populations, whether it's um, racial discrimination or people with disabilities, different aspects that they face. So to have the opportunity to work with populations that um, I may be less educated on and to grow and to have more knowledge about really intrigued me. 
And that's how um, I learned about Kessler through um, close friends. I live in New Jersey. I'm aware of the name. And um, just doing my own research on it, it was a place I would I definitely said to myself, I would love to work there. And I'm, and I'm glad I made that decision. Very good. We're glad to have you. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, we know spinal cord injury is serious. Yes. But I'm sure you've met with various participants, and there's always one or two people that stand out. Mm-hmm. Have you encountered that of a participant that was really eager to mm-hmm. be a part of a study? What's your take? I would say it ranges. It's a very sensitive time, as you can imagine. Some um, patients are really excited to be a part of research and want to um, help in any way they can. And then there's some people who need some time and, you know, they're just trying to get their heads around what happened to themselves, to themselves, to, um, you know, their families, how it's going to affect themselves long term. However, it's amazing to see how everyone's different you know not only are injuries different everyone has a different injury one um, diagnosis may affect someone else completely different they could have the same level of injury however even just personality wise and how people can cope and deal with a traumatic event that ranges as well some people have more of a positive and optimistic outlook and then there's some who need some time and some real um you know therapeutic services, physically and mentally. Um, but some uh, per- participant, I would say, that um, stands out, that that really gets excited. Um, it's a, a woman, and she gets she's so excited about research. And I, um, while she was inpatient, she had such a great support system, which I feel like is very important, which it definitely is. And um, not only were they there for her, but I, I feel like they... They were by they were by her side during um, different education classes and during the whole process of of the transition of her learning how to use her wheelchair and any support she needed with the case manager and um, through her being such a, a um, I think a caring and optimistic person in general she looked at the change in her life as seeing it as a change but not necessarily the end of. The happiness she originally had and they her her family helped to encourage her in that and encouraged her to find other support um support networks that maybe could relate to her as well so she built on that support that she already had and um she wanted to learn all about the research to the point you know she was like i want to do anything and everything and and she researched things across the country and i had to slow her down and tell her i don't know what study that is but i have some opportunities that maybe you can be eligible for and thankfully um you know i work alongside dr kirschbloom the medical director of uh, Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, as well as Dr. Trevor Dyson Hudson, who is the medical director of the Spinal Cord Injury Lab. And um, they have, she has enrolled in our studies, as well as some of the other studies that they're working on. And I see her in the hallway. So this was about, you know, two years ago. And she still comes and, and uplifts and encourages other patients and shows them, you know, how, you know, how she may have have um 
she she'll show them how she even it can be small how how she'll she learned a new trick to help her get into a car but you know it might be it might be it might have been difficult for her for initially but over time it got better so she's very encouraging to other people and even to myself I'll walk down and I'll see her in the cafeteria and she has a huge smile on her face and she's just really warm and um, optimistic and I think it it showed and and I'm I'm I can imagine it's not easy every day, mm-hmm. but her um, her attitude transcends, and you can you can tell when you see her. She's a very uh, inspiring woman. What would you recommend to people, whether they have an injury or not, or say healthy control, about um, being a participant in our research? Mm-hmm. It's so important that we have all types of people. Definitely. And what would you uh, share with somebody who might be interested in being a participant, but you know they're quite haven't made up their mind whether it's for them or not? Mm-hmm. I would I would encourage anyone maybe who was on the fence or was unaware of what research was. You know that's that's a term that can mean many different things. To I would encourage them to be open to learn about what studies are out there and and how it's helping how it's helping the general population not only themselves but other people um, so I would encourage them to learn more about a research study and um, I think something that's new or different people can tend to not want to hear about it and stay in a comfort zone but because of research there's been so many wonderful findings in the world, in science and, and other uh, fields that I think the more people who can, who can volunteer, the better, so that we can not only help, um, we, can, we not only can help patients who are, who are having services in the hospital and to evaluate the quality of care they're giving based on their feedback from whether it's questionnaires or assessments or, um, you know, neural imaging scans or it can range but also long-term effects and and quality of wheelchairs they're getting or devices or anything that not only can help it may not help them in that very moment but long term um, it can help it can help other people as well as for them to gain information and also caregivers it can be a chance for them to again gain more knowledge about how they can help their loved ones and also get the quality and care that they may need too during that um, transition as well. So I would encourage them to learn more about it and see what they're comfortable with doing. Um, You know, there's some studies that are more involved, whether physically, and then there's some that have to do with assessments. They can be questionnaires. Um, So it it ranges. And then some have... um, you know, you may be compensated for your time. So I, I think it's very important to, I think knowledge is power, and the more people know what their options are and how it can help not only them, themselves but others, it can be a powerful thing. It can really change and progress the, the field that we're in. Definitely it can, definitely. Before we go, mm-hmm. do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with us? I mean, will you be going off to get your PhD in the fall? Mm -hmm. My parting thoughts would be gratitude and the importance of compassion. Those are two things that um, have really ignited 
within me and have um, transformed and will continue to grow. But I see the importance of being so grateful for everything you have. It can be something from so something to that you may take you may take for granted. It could be just you know being able to open the blind to see the sky or um, to hug a loved one or to take a breath. It could be that something you may take it. You may take it for granted, but I, I've just learned and, and really look for and appreciate the, the small things and how grateful you should be for every single thing that is given to you, as well as being compassionate. I think sometimes people can be so self-centered and not think about what else is going on around them. And it's important to not only check in with yourself, but also being there for other people as well. And that might be... It might be hard because you're stepping out of your comfort zone, but you can always learn from other people. So I, my parting thoughts would be um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a research assistant at Kessler Foundation because of not only the um, education I've, I've gained and the relationships I've built, but also the lives I believe I was able to um, help as well through being a research assistant. And... I'm, I'm very grateful, and I think I've also helped to be more compassionate by not only experiencing and, and working with patients who have a beautiful story, but also I work with wonderful scientists who are brilliant, and, um, you know, the, the employees at Kessler Foundation and in the hospital that we collaborate with and those in the community and caregivers, it just, it really helps to enlighten your perspective on what's important. Well, we certainly wish you the very best. Thank you, Jody. You, uh, Thank you for, for this opportunity. Oh, you're more than welcome. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back. Oh, yes. Because you're so close. So that would be nice <laughs> to be able to see you as you go through your PhD program. Oh, it was a pleasure. And thank you so much. To learn more about our current or former research assistants or career opportunities at Kessler Foundation, be sure and check out the program notes for links. Tuned into our podcast series lately? Join our listeners in 90 countries who enjoy learning about the work of Kessler Foundation. This podcast was recorded during the spring of 2016 was edited and produced by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation.